everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening.
Um, the on the stream. Okay, so we'll we'll figure that out. The uh, I wonder if Auburn game planned for a downpour last weekend. Like, I wonder if Auburn thought there was a significant chance that you the mean weather before, before last week. I mean, yeah, I mean Auburn went into this past Saturday's game knowing that there was a significant chance of rain and the game plan reflected that Auburn thought they might be playing in the rain. And that was at least part of the reason for a run-heavy approach in the first half. When only Yeah, very well may, may, may have been. been. I mean, well, if that's the case, then you'd expect it to be run-heavy again. But but don't you, don't you need to see how some things go in front of... In front of a, a live crowd, absolutely. I just before but I, you play Penn State, but but as I'm saying, you know, if if Auburn game planned for a downpour last week and decided, you know, we, you know, maybe we don't want to, you know, we want to we want to focus on the run because it could be, it, it, you know, the weather could be inclement or whatever. They might do it again this week, and you know, Auburn could also feature something of a run heavy approach all year. You got Tank Bigsby and Chuck sure. I, well, I think that's, that's the main. That, yeah. That's the first thing that uh, that they want to do is establish that run. But I but I would love to see how much Auburn wants to throw early in in tomorrow night's game and who's throwing the football. Is it is it just TJ uh, as it was in the first half last week? TJ the only one attempting passes or uh, could you could you see Robbie Ashford get either an attempt to either a passing attempt in a drive where he's brought in for TJ or a drive of his own? earlier in the football game than what we saw this past week. I'm interested to see would, if either of those things in the first half. Yeah, I would think so, unless. I mean, and, and we don't know what's been going on in practice. Uh, I would sure think so, because I, I would think you wouldn't want his first real, you know, uh, pass with, with, with a lot on the line and a lot of pressure to come there in the in the Penn State game. But, um, but if he has just been... Phenomenal in practice. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't force it early. I don't know. And, and I suppose there's also the thought that you want TJ as confident as possible. I, I think right? so. So you want him to be able to not just get reps, but also uh, the uh, the earlier you go to a Robbie Ashford exclusive drive, the more it does seem like there's uh, a question about about uh, who the, unless, the starting quarterback uh, is. I mean, unless TJ takes him right down but, the field for a couple of touchdowns. You're right. You're right. If it if it's and that's and that's why I think the first couple of drives are maybe more. Uh, you know, could be more informative than what happens if if the game gets out of reach. What happens after the game is out of reach? I think how Auburn approaches because you would think that Auburn's approach to start this game, unless the weather has made it to where Auburn wants to run the ball exclusively because they think they're going to be playing in a monsoon tomorrow night, unless that's the case, you would think that Auburn's approach to begin tomorrow night's game could be similar to Auburn's approach to begin the Penn State game. That's how they would to want begin, to begin. Yes, yes, they would. That's how they would want to. You know, the, the way they start uh-huh. the, the San Jose State game is probably how they want to start the Penn State game, unless there's mitigating circumstances or something that that changes Auburn's game plan for tomorrow night. But that's why, yeah, I'm really interested to see how the uh, how the attack looks on the first few drives for Auburn, and I hope the weather cooperates enough to where uh, e- even if there's uh, even if there's a significant chance of rain tomorrow night, I hope Auburn can play a couple of drives in reasonable conditions so that you can get a sense of what the offense is doing. Because if it, I mean, if it just rains and rains and rains all night, yeah, I mean, you might you might be tempted to just call as many runs as you can and get sure. out of there, and and you don't really, uh, you, you know, your your passing offense doesn't get the the opportunity that this game seemingly brings. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love your thoughts. What you know? How would you game plan this? And what would you like to see in the game plan tomorrow night against San Jose State? And and uh, well, obviously uh, we can talk about other games too because there's some there's some interesting games 
all over, but a lot of involving SEC teams. I think, obviously, we'll, we'll focus more on those. But uh, we'd love your thoughts on any of those. Do you see it, an upset coming uh, tomorrow? And if so, we'd, we'd love to hear that. Um, I'm trying to think of, of just straight-up upsets. Would it be – how surprised would you be if Kentucky won? Because that's an up. I'd I mean, be they're, they're about a touchdown I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be a little surprised just after – uh, the fact that they've won three of the last four, I think, I think Florida still feels like they've got some, some payback with Kentucky. Although, I mean, why would you feel that way when you'd won 31 straight until that? Well, du- double edged sword too, right? Because Florida's, Florida's confident after a win they over are. Utah when you're a big underdog but I and think, you got a top 10. I think they also realize how close they were to losing too. I mean, how would the, how would the reaction be? Florida would not be in the top 25 if that pass is complete yeah. and not intercepted. I mean, everybody was on, I, including me, was on uh, Kyle Whittingham for, man, you don't take that chance when, you, when you've got a chip shot field goal to send it to overtime. But if they score the touchdown and Florida loses, how excited is everybody? Is Florida still about a touchdown favorite over Kentucky if they lost that game? You, you wonder how one play maybe yes. impacts perception of, of Florida. And that, and that's, uh, they, that's... They, sure, they sure wouldn't have jumped. You know, that's what got Kentucky is the fact that Florida not only jumped them, but they, they, I mean, it's soared past them. They went from right. out of the top 25 to number 12. After winning a game by the skin of their right. teeth. Granted, against a team that was sure. just outside the top number Just outside the top five in the preseason top 10 and, and number seven and, and a team that some folks thought could be uh, in the playoffs. Some folks think could still be in the playoff if you talk yeah, about the table. Know. I don't, yeah, I don't know as much about that. I don't think they're beating USC. Let's let, I'll, I'll put that one out there, John. If, I'm, if there's a team in the Pac-12 that I'm going to believe, well, the last playoff, one, the last one that looks like, oh, they could really, really be good is USC. Yeah, that's that's the one to me, and and, and so they'll lose tomorrow night to Stanford, probably, and that and that'll, that'll <laughs> if they do, then done then, for the yeah, Pac-12. Then you can then you can talk yeah. about uh, you know maybe maybe in the Big Ten, you know one of these teams will uh, Caleb Williams will go to the transfer portal again and start and start looking at it. that that won't that won't happen if if the Stanford uh, never say <laughs> never. Probably won't happen if Stanford beats uh, USC. I mean that that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me either. I mean it'd be it'd be a surprise because Caleb be, Williams in the portal. No, no, Stan, oh. Stanford beating oh. USC no, at home no, tomorrow I, night, right? I mean that's I'd about be much more surprised than than Kentucky beating Florida. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, I'd be more yeah. surprised with Stanford winning yeah. than I would Kentucky winning. Y- yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Kentucky is. What about South Carolina? What, what do you think of South Carolina's chances of winning? I'd probably be more surprised at South Carolina winning than Kentucky winning. So I'd go in order. I'd say Kentucky, South Carolina, Stanford, of those three possible upsets. Like, likeliest of the three to win, you think, is Kentucky? Yeah, I would Of think. those three. Yeah. I, I, would. I mean, I think Florida wins. I don't know that they necessarily cover, but I think Florida wins. I just want to uh, see I, Arkansas. I think South Carolina I think Carol. I like South Carolina and the points. I want to see Arkansas face some adversity. Yeah, right. I'd love to see South Carolina get out there and throw a punch and score a touchdown early. Mm-hmm. And let's see what Arkansas can do in in a game where where maybe it's not because if, because if Arkansas that that does feel like a game too for all the hey it could be interesting if it's if it's score stop score stop fourteen nothing Arkansas and Fayetteville yeah. and they're calling the Hogs in the first, like score 
pick yeah. Rattler score, yeah. pick Rattler, you know, something you're, like you're that. Look, you're looking yeah. at an early double-digit lead for right. Arkansas, and they're going crazy in Fayetteville. They, no, they'll just wear them down and yeah. out. Yeah, it, it could it could be it could be a lot more than just eight and a half or whatever the line is right now. So that's that's one where you could see it going. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see for drama's sake, right? I'd love to see South Carolina get to play, you know, a real competitive second half, and, and Arkansas, you know, work work through some adversity, and whoever wins that game, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the end could happen. There's also a path to. Ooh, slow start for South Carolina. Yeah, if it's a romp, it's Arkansas's way. Yeah, it, it's a I mean, if it's one sided. I, I I can't see South Carolina winning going away. Right, and, and South Carolina probably desperately needs to avoid a slow start because that's that's one place where, you know, if it if it's if it's if if you let the crowd get into it early, they're not they're they're not going. No, away. that that no. is exactly right. <laughs> they will they will they will stay there all day. All right, uh, we're just getting started here on the Friday drive. Again, uh, don't forget coming up in about 15 minutes we'll check in with John Samuel Schinker for a special edition of Tiger Takes. But uh, other than that, rest of the show we are wide open love for you to join in 334-321-1390. Workstation. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. <laughs> Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Friday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and again, love to hear from you. All right, so we were, we were looking at some of the games and uh, Dan mentioned the uh, the fact that the that Hawaii, uh, after losing by fifty two at home, fifty three, fifty three. That's right, sixty three to ten. By 50, they're only fifty two point underdogs on the road at Michigan. Oh, you didn't mention who they lost to at home. I, Van, I, I said Vanderbilt. Oh, did you mention that it was Vanderbilt? Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Well, they lost at home to Vanderbilt, sixty-three to ten, and and yes, they're now uh, they're now fifty-two point underdogs tomorrow night. In, how can and, how can they Arbor. cover? How could they cover? I mean, it, it it seems unless unless Michigan calls the dogs off very early. I don't see you know, that. Ma- maybe I don't. But then that led into a discussion about Michigan's schedule and, in and, general. Yeah, and you want to you want to hear one of the greatest schedules you could ever hope for if you want to be assured of ten wins. So Michigan's uh, they they play three out of conference games to start the year at home. They beat Colorado State fifty one to seven on Saturday. Uh, they host Hawaii tomorrow night. Uh, then UConn uh, comes to oh, uh, yeah. comes to the big house. That on- is a I mean, of course that's to make up for for the brutal. Big Ten schedule that Dan's about to run down for right. for you. Uh, no, no Notre Dame on the Michigan schedule no. this year. That that series is uh, is over. Uh, but, so Michigan will play those three conference games and then nine or uh, those three out of conference games and then nine conference games. Conference games are as follows: uh, on Saturday, the twenty fourth of September, they host uh, Maryland. Then they go to Iowa on October first. They go to Indiana. So, so their first road game is at Iowa, a team that didn't score. Uh, they scored. Two safeties and a field goal he in their opener. Seven the hard way. Yeah, as, as we as, exactly right as they call it in Vegas. Two safeties and a field goal uh, to win. Yeah, that's what Iowa needed against an FCS team uh, last week. Uh, so they go to Iowa on the first. They go to Indiana a week later on oh, the eighth. They're stepping it up. They go to Indiana. Uh, Sean Travers, and then uh, and then yep. they then they host Penn State on September right. on, so on, that, on, on they, October fifteenth. That's the first and right now we think legitimate team, although. 
They struggled in the in their opener as well. At seven games before the bye week, that's this the first seven games of the of the Michigan okay. schedule. And Three the, out of conference and, games. And four wouldn't you games. say Penn State appears to be the toughest game there in the first half of the, Penn, of the schedule? Penn State at home or at Indiana, maybe, but you'd probably think Penn State at home is, think, is the yeah. toughest of those games. None of those teams in the top twenty-five, right, uh, at the moment. After the bye week, Michigan hosts Michigan State. Uh, that's uh, Saturday the twenty-ninth. There's, there's a ranked team that get them at home. Number fourteen, Michigan State goes to. Ann Arbor. Uh, the following uh, uh, the following week, Michigan goes to Rutgers. Then they then they host Nebraska on, oh, yeah. on November twelfth. Uh, then they host Illinois on November nineteenth, and then they go to Columbus for the final game of the season on Saturday the twenty sixth at Ohio State. They may be an unbeaten team that you have no idea if they're any good right. going to Columbus. If, if Michigan State's not as good as, yeah. as folks think, and, and we'll, we'll learn more about Michigan State because I think they've actually got... Uh, they, well, they've, they've got... Uh, well, they go to Washington in a couple of weeks. They got what's, Ohio their, what's their toughest road game before they go to Columbus? What was the other one? Uh, Indiana? I, Indiana, I, Illinois? Indiana, or no, it's, Illinois? It's, no, no. It's Indiana, Rutgers, uh, Iowa, and... And Ohio, Ohio and Ohio State. So Indiana, so probably, Rutgers, or Iowa? Probably Iowa. I mean, Iowa was ranked a wow. week ago, but then they scored wow. seven without scoring a touchdown. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I had not realized and, and uh, that, that Michigan had been given such a favorable schedule. And we'll no see what kidding. happens in the Big Ten, but that is uh, that, that does seem to be a... A, a ten win gift seemingly for for Jim Harbaugh and maybe maybe eleven and if they could beat Ohio State you know you'd think maybe they, they got a, they got a great shot of going undefeated because there's not there, there aren't a lot of games on that schedule this yeah who you play has an awful lot to Oof. do with uh, how good your record can be I mean it's sort of like when we were talking with David Pascal yesterday about South Carolina uh, I mean you look at Michigan and you asked me how many games on that schedule would Auburn be an underdog against. Maybe Michigan State coming in, maybe, and then at yeah. o- and then at Ohio State for sure. But yeah, I mean, and that's and, and Auburn again. But I mean, this this Auburn team that people are going, oh, you know, uh, the toss ups in six or seven games, you'd be favored in in for sure nine of those twelve. The Auburn team that was picked to finish last in the SEC West by the media a couple of weeks ago. Would probably be favored in nine yeah. of the twelve games on Michigan's schedule. I agree. Like that's if if, if they swap schedules in Michigan, I think Auburn would be expected to go nine and three, maybe better than that. And that's that's maybe selling the Big Ten short. You know, we'll see. Uh, but like, no, I, I think that right now, you know, trying trying to pick them one way or the other, we'll see what the line is on. Do we have a line on Penn State? I'll, I'll see if I, I'll see if there's for if next there's week. A, if there's an early, if there's an I early have Auburn, not seen it. If there's an early, early Auburn Penn State line, there probably is somewhere because. There's a line on everything now, but uh, but no, I'll see what I'll see what the Auburn because that might be I know Penn you know Penn State's on the on the Michigan schedule too, but no, I just saw that there's a uh, uh, yeah that there there appears to be a couple of teams in the Big Ten that that really have it set uh, to uh, to have a, a really great year in that Michigan schedule, and you know it, it, it partially because they've got uh, three and that's more so than the conference stuff, right? It's it's a little bit of a bummer to see even if you play nine conference games to see a team not playing a Power Five team at a conference. You know, I, I kind of thought that was the expectation. Across college football was that yeah. if, you're in, if you're in the Power Five, you're going to play a, a Power Five non-conference game. I understand that that the Notre Dame rivalry went away, and that was usually Michigan's uh, big at a conference game. But Hawaii, uh, UConn, and Colorado State is—I mean, that—that's not uh, that's that's uh, that's uh, flimsy. That's Cupcake City. Man. I, I don't know. That's I mean, just for, for for the as the only out of conference opponents for a, for a team that's that's thinking about winning the national championship. That's mm-hmm. I don't know. It's disappointing to see. All right. Um, 
Uh, we'll talk more football. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by John Samuel Schenker. But some basketball news as Bruce Pearl adding a couple of folks to his staff, including a, a former standout Auburn player, Bryant Smith. And, uh, man, it's, it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, it's been that long since Bryant Smith played because he played 14 years Overseas after his Auburn career, um, you know, one of, uh, one of the Auburn, one of the members of Auburn's thousand career point club, 30th all time in Auburn scoring with 1,087 points. But scoring wasn't the main thing with Brian Smith. He was the glue of, of that, of that team. You could, I mean, you could just about count on it. It's going to be double-figure points. He's going to get 10 to 15 points. He's going to get 6 to 10 rebounds and play outstanding defense. The lefty would every game, game in and game out. So he's been added as a uh, student assistant. Uh, added as a graduate assistant is Jeff Gray, who was a uh, four-year letter winner and two-year captain at Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts. And um, uh, during his playing days scored over 1500 points and was the uh school's male student athlete of the year in 2018-2019 uh so so he'll be joining bruce pearl and the tigers staff this season played overseas in the israeli league as well uh-huh. you, you, you wonder if bruce's connections to I'm the sure. uh, to, to the israeli league helped to uh, help jeff uh, jeff gray uh, a for, former uh, uh conference uh, what student student athlete of the year uh, when he was uh, when he was at emerson so he's somebody who is coming in to uh, to help out you remember i'm sure you remember brian smith oh absolutely as, as, as player. That, that's I, what i was talking about the the, num- who- the 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 scoring is is nowhere near uh, what his value was to the team, and not I know just that. Folks who remember Brian as a player are real excited for the opportunity uh, that he's getting, and yeah, Bruce Pearl adding more, uh, um, more up and coming talent to a uh, to a staff that's. I mean, keep in mind, like the coach of Florida was uh, was was in a was in a role with the with, with Auburn staff not not all that long ago, right? The mm-hmm. Todd Golden is uh, you know was was the uh, was was on Bruce Pearl's staff in, it's, in it's some a, capacity. It's a, great, it's a great opportunity, and from that, yeah, it, it should be easy to move on. Yeah, Bryant Smith was again, um, you know, folks remember Chris Porter and Doc and Mamad, but Bryant Smith was the guy. I mean, I really felt he was the glue of that 99 SEC championship team. All right, we'll uh, get to our bottom of the hour break. Special edition of Tiger Takes with John Samuel Schenker coming up. Stick with us here on the Friday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Oh, welcome back in. Oh, they, they heard that on the stream? Nope. Uh-oh. Nope. Well, it's been nice knowing you, folks. Oh, right. man. Welcome back. <laughs> it, is the, it is the Friday edition of The Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. And we have a special edition of our weekly Tiger Takes brought to you by Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. And uh, we are joined on this uh, Friday afternoon edition of The Drive by our, our regular Monday Tiger Takes guest, and that, of course, is the captain, John Samuel Schinker, joining us. John Samuel, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Man, we're doing fine. Uh, uh, how, how are you guys? Uh, uh, first of all, I mean, Dan was sort of mentioning this a while ago. Uh, how have you guys been preparing for the, doesn't look just like possibility, but likelihood of some some more wet weather tomorrow? Yeah, you know, we go throughout the week, we'll have, you know, some wet ball drills and things like that. But, I mean, there's only so much you can do to prepare for for a game with some rain. Uh, we had a little bit of that last week, so we got a little bit of a taste of how that goes and um, some main priorities in that, which is protecting the football at all costs. John Sammy, I was really impressed with the way the running game uh, was uh, was able to get rolling from from the start uh, over the uh, over the weekend against Mercer. That's something I know you've talked about in the past, and and Cheddar Jackson was talking about earlier in the week too that the skill players, even the ones that don't have rushing attempts, you guys take a sense of pride in uh, this this team's ability to run the ball and and, and your ability to help uh, spring big runs uh, for the running backs. What can you say about uh about about what the uh, what the run game was able to do, especially in the first half against uh, Mercer over the weekend yeah that's what you want to do right you want to set the tone with the run game because that opens everything up but uh when you can start that early in the year and that can become a key part of your offense that's what really drives a really good offense is a good run game and obviously you have great running backs so it's really a matter of just allowing us to give them creases to hit because if we give them something that they can make some things happen yeah, lo- love the way they use Tank and Jarquez. Uh, you know, with with Tank, uh, who, who looks to be as good as Tank Bigsby's been uh, to to begin his career. You you warned us uh, that he's that he's gotten even better uh, since the last time we got to see Tank Bigsby. I thought that was on display against Mercer and Jarquez Hunter. After an up and down first year and and a uh, you know a, a conference season where uh, you, you didn't you didn't see all that much Jarquez Hunter, especially uh, you know t- towards the end of the year, uh, he he started the year uh, with a uh, with a bang as well with with three touchdowns. Yeah, we knew what Jarquez was about last year, and getting to see him day in and day out and how he operates, yeah, it was it was awesome to uh, see him do that and have that hat trick there. Uh, but, yeah, no, we have some really good running backs in that room, even Damari Austin, Sean Jackson. I mean, we have a really deep room in there, and we're confident with every guy that goes out there. Um, and, obviously, taking Jarquez led that pack last week. Talking with John Samuel Schenker on a special edition of Tiger Takes here on this Friday with uh, Bill and Dan. Uh, yeah, Jarquez had three, Tank had two, but you had the first touchdown of the season. I mean, again, continuing what what a what a uh, uh, a momentous last six months. We were talking about it, you know, with the decision to come back and and uh, getting married, being named a team captain. You score the first touchdown of the season too. Yeah, that was awesome. That was. As easy as they come, I think, uh, as far as touchdowns are concerned. But, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, our offense was also a pretty fast start there, pretty efficient. And uh, that's also what we look for tomorrow as we head to that game. 
TJ Finley won the uh, won the quarterback job, or at least the uh, you know he, he was he was named QB one before the uh, before the season started. Robbie Ashford uh, played a little bit as well, got his first taste of of playing time as a college football quarterback. What did you see out of TJ? I mean, not not just on Saturday, but what, what have you seen on you know out, out of TJ uh, throughout the off season uh, to, uh, to to make him uh, quarterback one? And uh, what what, did you, what were your impressions of getting to see Robbie Ashford for the first time on a field in an Auburn uniform? Yeah, well, I think TJ's matured a lot since last year. You know, things last year kind of happened, and I think they came up on it a little fast uh, as the season went on when he got more playing time with Bo being out. Uh, but this year he's been able to take over the offense in a better way. Um, he's really started to understand the offense, just matured as a player, uh, which is what you expect out of a, a quarterback like TJ. And then, obviously, yeah, Robbie, uh, we knew he was a really great athlete. Uh, that he was in the game plan last week, and he got to show that off. I mean, that's that's his specialty right there is his speed and athleticism, and I thought he showed that off really well. Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, on the field, I would imagine it's even uh, it's even crazier if you blink when you're out there. You turn your head for a second. I mean, he could be gone. Yeah, no, he's he's a dynamic athlete. We saw that in uh, fall camp. Really, when we got to let him go a little bit, he could. Yeah, he can run. We we were speculating in the press box, you know, hey, it'd be cool to uh, be cool to you know if they've drawn up a play where maybe Robbie and TJ are on the field at the same time, <laughs> and almost and there it is, almost on demand. There's, I mean, what 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 do you what? I mean, you don't have to you don't have to give anything proprietary away, uh, John Samuel. But what is that? A slot quarterback uh, that you got there? You know, with 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 TJ and and then Robbie, you know, in in motion. I thought, and we were we were speculating earlier in the week all the different things you can do potentially out of something like that. I I thought that was a really cool wrinkle, and with the pitch to tank. Bigsby, it ended up uh, leading to a pretty big play. Yeah, that was a pretty cool play. I don't know where they got it from. But they brought it up to us uh, the week of, I guess, the week of the game. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you have that kind of athlete, why not have two guys in? Because he can throw the ball, run the ball, you know, he can do a lot of things. So that could open up a lot of opportunities down the road. Um, but yeah, uh, I figured when that happened, you know, it's funny, that play never, it seemed like Robbie never pitched in practice. It was always a read. And a keep uh, mm-hmm. for him, but he finally got the got the look to pitch the tank, and it it opened up pretty well. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the obviously one of the one of the big topics all week has been the two quarterback system, and and Coach Harson addressed that and talked about how it's worked for him in the past. You know, we look back at 2017, and he had two quarterbacks who played an awful lot, and it really looks like. That's sort of the the idea, not just to use Robbie as as a guy in just a, uh, a spot here or there or in short yardage or goal line or anything like that. Just lo- love your thoughts being out there and having to uh, – h- how how different is it to uh, uh, t- to go from one of the guys to the other? Uh, it can be different, but at the same time, it's the same plays, right? It's not – we're not running different things, um, so it's – you know, as you go, that's part of why practice is so important with two QBs is you have the ability to understand what the guys want and how Robbie and TJ are different, how they throw their balls different on certain plays. So um, it can be challenging, but I think we've handled it well. I mean, we have a lot more practice with it each week, so uh, it's becoming a little more um, normal for us uh, to do this and deal with this because uh, it's what's best for us to win the game. Talking with John Samuel Schenker, Auburn tight end, here on a special Friday edition of Tiger Takes on the Drive with Bill Cameron, and we've got a uh, you know John Samuel. I'm I'm curious to know. I mean, 
we, we've been we've been talking about the receivers and you know wh- whether it's the the new arrivals or some of the players that have been in the system breaking through. I was really impressed with Shed Jackson and and Javarius Johnson. Var in particular having the best game of his Auburn career so far, and those are those are guys that have been in the system for a little while. What, what are the, uh, the the benefits maybe of of familiarity and and uh, and and being uh, in the system for a couple of years that that are that are helping Shedrick and especially Var uh, have strong starts to the year. Yeah, well, I think that's just a testament to their work in the off season, the coaches trusting in those two guys. I mean, I think Shed's one of the hardest workers on the team, and. Um, even in practice, he's just super consistent with what he does. And then you have Barr, a guy that can get over top of guys and a great route runner, which is a huge asset for an offense. Um, yeah, we weren't surprised. I mean, those shots that we take, I mean, that's what we expect is Barr to come down with those balls. And, um, so that was, you know, that was exciting to see to get him off on the right foot, uh, this year as well as Shed. I'm sure that'll continue as well. We, we mentioned the weather a little bit earlier. Talk about what, what, you did and the and the team did there during that long, you know, more than an hour break that, that we had this past Saturday? Uh, well, when you first get in, you kind of just relax, get some snacks, get some fuel in your body um, to get back because you don't really know when you're going back. And then, you know, once we get within about five to ten minutes of going back out, when we realize that the, the weather's cleared, we'll, uh, we'll get stretched in the locker room a little bit as much as we can and and then they allow you a few minutes on the field to, to really get running and stuff so we don't have any injuries or anything like that. But it can be a struggle sometimes, especially long ones. You know, got, you know, you start laying back and just kind of relaxing, but you don't want really to get too relaxed. You still got to play a game. So it could be, um, that could be a challenge for a team, but I thought we handled it pretty well. What are the uh, go-to snacks for John Samuel Schenker <laughs> during a, uh, d- during a, during a weather delay, a, a mid-game weather delay? I love a good uncrustable with great jelly. I uh, that's my go-to, and then some uh, some applesauce is also I, a big go-to for me. I saw the latest edition of Running with Reed on the on, on social media. That 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 guy is that guy guy's nuts. And uh, and uh, I believe Cam Riley also a fan of the uh, also a fan of the uncrustables. And somebody we should probably ask about after after the game after the game he had uh, this past weekend. Cam Riley, somebody who mm-hmm. uh, you know there were there was some. I think one of the questions on defense was sort of who's going to step up in the aftermath of Chandler Wooten and Zacoby McLean moving on. Uh, Cam Riley always an impressive looking athlete, but he had uh, his his best game in, in an Auburn uniform, uh, and and that's somebody you've you've gone up against in practice. Uh, what what can you tell us about Cam John Samuel? Yeah, no, he's a he's a great human being. Just quiet, does what he uh, needs to do in his work at practice. Uh, I thought he took some big strides this offseason in the weight room. He's gotten a lot bigger, stronger, faster. Um, you can see that obviously this past weekend he was everywhere on the field. Um, but that's just that's what he's been doing. He's just a quiet guy, but he comes in, he gets to work, and he gets the job done. I think that's why he's all in a start role and why he's so successful. Some loud collisions, quiet guy, but mm-hmm. some, some some loud pops uh, there over the weekend against Mercer. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you're playing linebacker here at Auburn, that's you know that's one of the main keys, and that's what Op and and uh, and Cam are able to do. San Jose State tomorrow night, six thirty. Again, uh, ho- hopefully, uh, we, we don't at least have any delays. I mean, we we may have may have a little bit of rain, but it's not the worst thing in the world when you're playing in it. Fans fans like it a lot less than the players. If you're out there playing in it, it's not it's it's not that terrible. But uh, uh, talk a little bit about San Jose State. They've got a veteran defense coming back. 
and uh, and 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 they should be. They, they, well, I don't know. I, on that side of the ball, um, they, they should be a pretty good test for the offense. Yeah, no, they're a good. They're a good team. There's no doubt. Coach Harris has a lot of experience against against those guys in his previous place, and so he was able to fill us in on the guys and um, the information that they've had from previous years. And yeah, they're a great veteran defense. They're physical. Um, and they, I mean, they won their conference. So obviously they're really, really good and talented. Um, they know how to win games. So we got to come prepared, uh, to play tomorrow. No, no question about it. And, uh, I know some folks are already looking ahead to next week, but you can't afford to take a step back. No, you absolutely cannot. You got to be two and oh, you got to be one and oh this week. So that's, that's the goal. John Sammy, we really appreciate you spending some time with us this afternoon. I mean, uh, um, we normally talk with you on Monday. So, hey, have a great game tomorrow, and we'll talk to you in a few yeah, days. Rare, rare back-to-back appearances yeah. for John Samuel here on the drive, which is uh, no, it's very, very, very cool. And the holiday weekend throws us off a little bit, but no, it's it's great to uh, it's great to talk to you about the Mercer game, get a preview of tomorrow, and then the next time we talk to you, John Samuel, I know we were saying don't look ahead. And, you know, take care of the business at hand this Saturday night by all means. The next time we talk to you. It's going to be Penn State week. It's going to be a pretty exciting time uh, here on the Plains as as, as Auburn uh, builds up to a collision course with their uh, visitor uh, from the Big Ten in uh, in just a little bit more than a week. I was going to say before we let you go, John Samuel, how can uh, how can folks keep up with you uh, other than than listening here on the, on the drive? Uh, I got my Instagram, JS Shanker, as well as Twitter. Uh, I try to stay active as much as I can, but uh, I, I'll be honest, I enjoy the radio shows most more than social media. So. That's easier. Hey, very, very cool, John Samuel. Really appreciate you uh, making some time for us, as uh, as always. Uh, any um, uh, any any message from the from the rest of the tight end room? We didn't really talk about the other guys, uh, you know, uh, Tyler and, uh, and and Luke, and, and they were they were on the field a ton as well. Anything you want to say about your uh, your your uh, your fellow tight ends and and the game they played against Mercer this past weekend? Yeah, you know, I thought Titans had a pretty quiet game as far as pass, but I thought we played well. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of little mistakes here and there with all of us uh, just being the first game and things like that. But um, I thought Titans played well. Uh, I think we're looking forward to tomorrow to see a lot of growth uh, from last week. Looking forward to it again. Thanks a lot, John Samuel. Uh, have a great game, and uh, we'll talk to you Monday. Is there War Eagle? All right, that's John Samuel Schenker, uh, Tiger Tick Special the Edition. That is right, Captain John Samuel Schenker, uh, with a special edition of Tiger Takes, proudly presented by Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. And uh, we thank Alsobrook Law Group for their support of Tiger Takes here on the drive. We'll get to our final break of hour number one, and we'll open up the phone lines. Love for you to join us here on the Friday Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome Back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Again, our thanks to John Samuel Schenker. It's great that he uh, had a little time to spend with us here. I would guess the team is uh, about ready to head out of town. Or unless they already are. They may already be out of town. They may have been sequestered yeah. away. Yeah, they may be. 
But, uh, yeah, great of him to spend a little time with us today before the uh, ball game comes up tomorrow. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. 334-321-1390. And Olin is up. Hey, Olin. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing fine. Well, good, good. I guess we're getting ready for another game. Uh, I have uh, sit here all week and uh, tried to read and see everything I could and get everybody's viewpoint, put it in with my own eyes. Uh, uh, about the first game, and uh, you know, I uh, I come I come into this game feeling good about what I saw uh, with regard to uh, the discipline the team had. One of the few times I've seen Auburn come out and get up to the ball and get the plays in, and uh, not be jumping off sides or having many penalties. They only had a couple of penalties that I'm aware of. Right. And uh, so when I step back and look at that, I say that shows me a team that's, that's got their mind together, that's focused, that uh, that shows some discipline. And uh, so I felt good about that. Of course, the rest of the game I felt pretty good about, too. Uh, I was not all that impressed with our upfront blocking and running. Uh, but I don't think the offensive line themselves, based on what I've heard, was all that impressed with their own, uh, not their effort, but their own result that they had. I think they recognized they had, had some problems they were working on. And, uh, you know, that's all you can ask is if people can see a problem if they actually go out and try to solve the problem. And uh, I, I was, I mean... And what I saw was very small. Even though our running attack worked real good, it, uh, you know, I, it, the, um, the strength of it was more in the off tackle and wider side of the, of the ball than it was straight on type stuff. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not a big believer in you got to run the ball straight on all the time either. I mean, I really don't. I just uh, think that it doesn't make any difference where you run the play. You like to pick up some reasonable positive yardage from time to time. Uh, but anyhow, I thought it was a good game. Uh, and uh, I look forward to the next game. I uh, I didn't notice in drop passes. Uh, uh, like the ball from both uh, quarterbacks was thrown pretty good. Uh, of course, we, we know the, the two bad throws that uh, Finley made. They were just bad throws. And, uh, I mean, uh, and I, thought, <laughs> I thought the second one was worse than the first one, too. You oh, know what I mean? Like we were, yeah, no I, question the, the about first, that. The first one was no, yeah. And there was no excuse for that second one. I mean, I, well, let me tell you this. I have a feeling. I mean, I have a, a viewpoint. My viewpoint is you cannot, a quarterback, of all the things they can do, is they cannot throw interceptions. That destroy will destroy a team quicker than anything. It stops your momentum and starts their momentum immediately. And it's just something that you just can't do. Now, I've, I've lived in an era when a quarterback threw an interception like that and never played again. Okay? 
That's a it's yeah, a I'm progress. It's a it's a progress eraser. Absolutely, Olin. We're, we're right up against it. I hate to hate to cut you off. Yeah, good stuff, yeah. Olin. Yeah, we we are out of time here for hour number one. Got another hour to go though. Love to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Stick with us for hour number two of the Friday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of The Drive here on this Friday afternoon. A rainy Friday and looks like the start of a rainy, pretty much rainy weekend. Um, although I was looking at the at the weather and it looked like it could be just cloudy maybe by the second half of the uh, ball game tomorrow. The chance of rain goes down drastically at around halftime tomorrow. So and, hopefully we don't get too much. And apparently very little rain in the forecast starting Monday or Tuesday. Yes, like that's there, right. There is, you know, expected to be a, a, a really, really nice week. And uh, the highs in the mid-80s, you know, it seems like maybe it's it's cooling down a little bit too. So, you know, once this uh, once this rain pushes through, it could be, uh, you know, you, you could have some really nice weather uh, here, here in the in the Auburn area until, uh, you know, until, until things get a little bit too cold. But the next few uh, weeks and months could be, could be, yeah, really, could be really, really nice. But uh, be advised to take some uh, rain uh, gear. Be ready. Yeah. For tomorrow. It looks like the high is only going to be in the 70s as well with the, with this front moving through. Hour number two of the Friday Drive brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. Are tonight's, uh, is tonight, is the weather tonight supposed to be anything no. more than just serious? No, I think just rain. Okay. To more Thunderstorms are more likely tomorrow than tonight. Tonight, though, could be a good bit of rain. And if you're if you're going to high school football tonight, you should probably also bring some rain, uh, you know, some some rain friendly attire uh, because there are the chances of a lot of games were moved to uh, to last night in the area. Uh, we were talking with Scott Bagwell about that on, on yesterday's show. A lot a lot of the game a lot of games in the area were moved because of the uh, of the threat of inclement weather. But but Auburn and Opelika both hosting games tonight. Big game down at Opelika with Opelika and Central. Absolutely. And, and Huge Aub- game. And Auburn's got Jeff Davis, uh, mm-hmm. which you can hear on Wings 94-3. Scott Bagwell and company, second home game uh, down at Duck Sanford Stadium, just uh, just a few blocks from the uh, from the Auburn Network studios. But, but yeah, hopefully if you're, uh, you're going to attend some high school football tonight or you're going to be out and about, uh, be safe 
and be uh, be weather aware as there could be some uh, some thunderstorms. And as you said, Bill, it's also the case uh, tomorrow, uh, leading up to the game and, and during the game itself. That is right. Uh, we'd love for you to join in on the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline, Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the number to get you through is three three four. 321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. You know, we should mention, because we had someone calling and asking, after the game, we'll be, uh, we'll be back on the air Indeed. tomorrow. I'm, I'm not doing it this year, but I encourage you uh, to give the, uh, g- give the new kids a shot. They, they're they're going to do a great job. You can catch after the game right here on ESPN 106.7. As soon as the Auburn-San Jose State game ends, which could be... I hope there's not a lightning delay for those guys' sake. But, but uh, yeah, I, you know, as soon as that game is over, uh, tune into ESPN 106.7. They'll be breaking it down, taking your phone calls, all that. You can catch after the game right here on ESPN 106.7. Brought to you by uh, Urgency, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the medical clinic. So, mm-hmm. uh, so by, by all means, check out after the game tomorrow as it's back for another season uh, in the, uh, on, on Auburn Network. Let's uh, get to the Kia of Auburn hotline as we have things started here in hour number two. And Jeremy is up first. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, good evening, guys. Um, looking at the stats and stuff from last week, I knew being there at the game, like it, it seemed slow. We were running the play clock down a lot. Um, just curious, do you think that will be a continuing theme this year? Or, I mean, I, we only ran like 61 plays. Yes. Well, I think it was um, a t- it, it, the official was 64 and they had 67. So you're right. That's not a large number of plays in a full ball game. Um, you know, I what Tank and Tank and Jarquez combined for what was it, twenty four carries, I think. Or yeah, only, was oh, it, it may have been more. I mean, there were only uh, twenty one passes, so so it was a forty three uh, forty three rushes and twenty one. And 21 passes. You know, I, I was speculated earlier, Jeremy, that maybe the run-heavy approach was also because of the weather. You know, the expectation that it could be pouring at kickoff or right after kickoff against Mercer. And so maybe they didn't want to come out with the intention of airing it out. But it was, I mean, it was run-heavy. I mean, it wasn't just, and it wasn't just Tank and Jarquez. You had Robbie Ashford. You had four different receivers, I think, with a rush, with a rushing attempt in the, in the game. So yeah, it was rush, it was run-heavy. And, and maybe, uh, they were also playing some keep away and trying to run the clock out to get out of there as quickly as possible. Well, sure. I, like anything after the rip, the weather delay is, you know, script plans for the game are thrown mm-hmm. out the window. Like you said, you're just ready to get home. Yeah, especially um, when your first play but, after the after the rain delays a touchdown. But look, even even in the first half, like it, mm-hmm. there was a lot of snapping the ball with four seconds on the play clock and three seconds on the play clock, and it not sometimes not even breaking the huddle until there were twelve seconds on the play clock. Um, and I, I was just curious, like, did anybody else notice that? Was, do you, do you think we can expect that the rest of the year? Just the pace to be that, that slow and that. I don't think that slow, Jeremy, but I don't know that, I don't know that Brian Harson or Eric Kesaw have ever been really big proponents of fast, fast, fast. So I, I think, I think it's going to, there's going to be a little more pace to it, but probably, uh, um, not as slow as we saw Saturday. I, I would say, you know, after a couple of weeks, we might have a better sense of, you know, if if they're if they're trying to do it strategically, like if it's a matter of, uh, you know, reducing the number of plays that the other team's offense can run by sure. by by taking as much time on the play clock as as possible when you've got the ball. If it's something like that, I mean, there could be some offenses that Auburn faces this year where that's not a bad strategy. 
We're we're trying oh, to you absolutely. know try, trying to maximize your time of possession uh, by, by all you know now, as long as you're not doing it you know out of self sabotage but if you're doing it to you know while also trying to advance the ball and get first downs uh, that that can be <laughs> that that can be something that that uh, throws a wrench into into some of the high powered offenses that Auburn uh, might might see later on in the season. Well, and we, we we've talked all week at how clean the game was for us, and like that that's another strategy that comes from slowing it down is. Give your guys time to think and know what they're going to do. You're going to reduce the number of penalties that you're having. It just caught me by it just caught me by surprise that, like I said, that we were that slow operating, like even in the first half. Um, and I was just curious, you know, I, I didn't know if that was something y'all may have expected that, that I didn't, or if anybody else even noticed. Yeah, honestly, I didn't notice it that much. I just did when I when I looked at the total plays at the end of the game. I thought, wow, that's that's not a whole lot of plays. And, so. and Mercer still one time of possession on Saturday. Although I think some of that is is skewed a little bit by the by the by the second half. But uh, when when Mercer Mercer had the ball for for much of the fourth quarter. But it's um uh, no, it's it's it would be uh, I I had not noticed that Jeremy, and that's that's something I will keep an eye on as the uh, as the next few weeks go on to see if Auburn's uh, sort of sort of deliberately trying to take a little bit of air out of the ball. Not not take out of the not not in the New England Patriots sort of sense of take air out of the ball, but actually trying to uh, <laughs> hey, not literally yeah, try, taking try, yeah, air out of the ball, try, trying to maximize right. their figuratively their time, time taking air out of the ball. Yeah, I'm glad Zach's not here to, to hear me uh, to hear me say yeah. that about his about his beloved. But it's uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I could see why that would be, especially if you're you know what if you're a if you're a run if you feel like if you feel like the strengths of your team are the run game and the defense. Trying to maximize time of possession and yeah, not, then then what's the hurry? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what's what's the hurry? Just, especially. When you're scoring on most of your possessions, the way Auburn was in the first half, we'll, we'll see. If I mean, if you can, you know, if uh, you know, if, if you can take a few minutes and, and score touchdowns, which Auburn was able to do in the red zone the other day, then I don't, I don't think you're going to get a lot of complaints. Also, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if there's science behind this, but you would also think it keeps your running backs a little bit fresher to give them an extra 10, 15 seconds between plays rather than snapping the ball as quickly as possible mm-hmm. after a running play. You would think that would give them a chance to catch their breath and reset and, and get ready, as physically ready as possible for, for the next play. I, I don't know, but that, that's another thing I could think of as a benefit maybe of, uh, of being a little bit more deliberate uh, with, with, your, uh, with your pace with a, uh, with, a, with a team that wants to run the ball like Auburn. 334-321-1390. Let's get back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Terry is up next. Hey, Terry. Hey, guys, a good rainy afternoon to you. How y'all doing? Yeah, it is. One of those where it's, uh, it's a day where it's, it's absolutely great to just hang inside. How you doing, Terry? Good to hear from you. Pretty good. Good to talk to y'all as always. I was curious what you guys thought of the rule change today in Major League Baseball. Mm, yeah, I'm glad thoughts, you brought that up. I want to give my thoughts. You know, All right. the, the pitch count, I, like, I kind of like it. I, the pitch I, clock? The, the, or, the pitch or, clock, yeah. yeah the pitch okay. clock, I'm sorry. The, the shift... Uh, it's one. That, it's like targeting in football. I I don't necessarily like it, but I understand it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I haven't been a big fan of the shift, but I I think the players, the batters, uh, should have adjusted to it without having to go. Okay, you've got to keep two on the right, two on the left. Um, but I yeah, it doesn't look like baseball when I look out there and see it like that. Right. It, it's it's just like I said. I don't I don't necessarily like. It. I just understand like the targeting thing. I just the full court press in basketball. I don't. Necessarily understand that, but I don't have to. I don't necessarily disagree with it either. I, I think um, the, the pitch clock could take a little bit of adjusting to at the major league level. You know, I, they've I, been doing it in the minors, I, and, and apparently, you know, with the minors, oh, they, they can and they yeah. can and the minors. They they say that that it keeps games closer to two hours and two and a half hours. It which said is, they cut thirty like thirty five yeah. minutes off the average length of a game I mean, by doing it in the minors, and they were actually a second shorter. 
I think, than uh, than what they're going to give them in the majors. Yeah, they they really want Major League Baseball games to get under three hours and closer to two two hours and forty five minutes, or even two and a half hours uh, in average length. And they think the pitch clock can do it. I hope that you know I I would hate to see like a big moment decided because of a violation of the pitch clock. You know what I mean? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, what you because what? it's an automatic ball or a strike for a violation of the pitch clock by a pitcher or a hitter. What's so gonna, you could you know there's the possibility of, of something like that. Yeah, you know, but but I think it's probably a good idea. What I think could be even bigger, though, are the rules they put in to try to really encourage base stealing. Um, one of the one of those, I mean, they've enlarged the bases so it'll be like four inches um, shorter between between the bases to try to encourage. But it's the throws to first. This is going to be really interesting. This is what slows games down so much. But they put the rule that they put in now. You can throw to first twice with a base runner at first. The third time you throw to first. If you don't pick him off or he doesn't go to steal, it's a balk. A third, a third unsuccessful pickoff attempt by a pitcher. Pickoffs and stepoffs also reset the pitch clock. That's so right. That's, so so that, twice off the rubber while you know, during a batter. So there's a belief that you have to limit the number of pickoff attempts because with a pitch clock, otherwise a, a pitcher could stall forever. Right. Seemingly by that, resetting that the pitch clock. That almost sounds like they're encouraging base stealing. They are. Exactly I think they, they really are. They they feel like base stealing has gone out of the game. They want to do it. They talked about uh, base stealing in the minor is way up this year. No, Major League Baseball is absolutely desirous to to increase the the number of stolen base attempts because that's a you know it, it brings more action to a baseball game and, and mm-hmm. the belief is that that would bring uh, some excitement as well. We haven't talked about the shifts. That's that's probably the the biggest one, right? Of, of the Before rules. You which, to that, let me catch you your catchers ever going. Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait just a minute. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, maybe, but their team's going to be allowed to steal too. So I mean. <laughs> There's, right, there's going to be on both that's sides, true. but but I know I know what you mean. It does seem like it's taking a. Uh, there, there's no trade off here to make it easier uh, for catchers. Well, I think the powers will be understand the offense sells tickets and puts runs right. in the seats. So mm-hmm. the uh, that's, that's the the shift rule the shift. is uh, the shift. is that uh, the uh, you have to keep two player two infielders right. not only on both sides of the infield they can't back up beyond the farthest edge of the infield dirt now. All four infielders mm. need to be in the dirt uh, and. Uh, Two of them need to be uh, on to right. one side of the bag. Yep. Two of the, uh, the second base bag. Right. Two of them need to be to the second uh, to the to the left of the second base bag, uh, and they have to have their feet on the ground uh, when the uh, when the pitcher begins their uh, their their motion. And it's going to feet be on the dirt. Feet feet on the dirt. And it's going to be uh, reviewable, uh, by the way. And if a defense is deemed illegal, uh, the batting team can either accept the outcome of the play or take an automatic ball, and the at bat restarts. It seems like the it seems like the rules are all predicated toward the offensive side of the game. Yes, it does. That, and that's what the the powers of be want because it's about making money. And mm-hmm. the, by the rule you just described, Dan, by the rule you described, Dan, it just seems like it's going to open up the middle of the infield for just base straight to center field. Well, what it's what they're hoping to do is bring back uh, some of the contact players and uh, and and the, the the aggressive base running is what they're hoping to bring back. Right. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Cool stuff, Terry. Yeah, I'm glad he brought that up because those are some significant rule changes. Yeah, I I think it's um, and the the pitch clock. I I've I've thought the pitch clock was coming for a while just because of the desire to to limit. Batter has to be in the box by a certain time. Is it like with eight seconds left? Catcher's got to be ready with ten seconds. Batter's got to be ready with eight seconds, Uh and the pitcher has to begin their motion to pitch. By the expiration of the clock, a violation by the uh, pitcher or the catcher uh, is is considered an automatic ball. A violation by the hitter is considered an automatic strike. You know, I can see some pitchers that have got somebody zero and two, and they're not ready to throw the pitch. Going, 
Who cares? All right, so it's a ball. I don't care. It's one and two. I don't even have to waste a pitch. It's already a ball. Then I can throw. I, I really think that the pitcher must not leave the rubber more than twice during a batter because that's a balk, and everybody gets to advance a base. It's not just a ball. It's everybody advancing a base if they do that. I think the pitch clock's a pretty cool idea. I, I really uh, think, I yeah, think that's, that's, I one, that's the, something that's been coming for a long time. The, the shift, I'm interested to see what the the creative minds do. Oh, you're going you're gonna to have, you're gonna have teams, the ball's going to leave the pitcher's hand with somebody with their right foot touching, if you're a second baseman, the right foot will be touching the bag, and as soon as the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, they'll be sprinting over or, to the to the left side. Or you go, or you go two outfielders, and you bring the center fielder up to like just behind the second base bag, right? You put them on the grass. You could do just that. behind second base, and they could almost be a fifth out. They could be yeah, a, did, did, a fifth did, infielder on on the grass of the of the outfield. Do you also see that they cannot guys cannot swap from one side to the other, right? Unless there is a uh, um, a substitution made. So, uh, two two interesting tweets I saw from uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue, which is a, a great uh, the baseball follow. If you're if you're in, it. They, they do uh, they do some work for Major League Baseball on Fox. Uh, the uh, let's see if I can find this for you. Okay, talk about this uh, regarding the banning of the shift. One team executive uh, quoting quoting their tweet from four hours ago. Quote: One team executive I talked to earlier this year hypothesized an arena football-style defensive strategy for pull-heavy hitters where you have the short, the shortstop running toward the right field side as the pitch is yeah, thrown. that's what so I'm talking about. Yeah, I was saying if it's a second baseman, he's going to be sprinting toward yeah. left field. The shortstop will be sprinting toward right field. They, they, have, to be, they have to be set when the pitcher when begins the, their motion to pitch, but yeah. I think they can be on the move. And, and all they have to be is on that it, side, so they can be like... Right at the bag on either side, sprinting toward the other no, way. You know what you're going to see, and I don't think I hate this. Which is crazy. You're, I mean, guys in motion. No, that, that's exactly. I was about to say you're going to see infielders in motion, like like skill position players in football. It's like the, the CFL. It's going to seem like yeah. the CFL when you have multiple people in motion. Well, arena, you know. arena league defense. You yeah, know, like the guy just true. said. And then uh, the other quote was um, Max Scherzer earlier this year was asked about his thoughts on a pitch clock, uh, and the story is that he. Looked at the reporter who asked the question and said, "Quote, I guarantee you this. I will manipulate the hell out of that thing." Unquote. So some pitchers are interested to see, you know, how the uh, how the pitch clock is implemented and, and sort of what they can uh, what they can get away with, which is traditional when there's a new rule in baseball, right, Bill? There's a lot of uh, let's let's see how let's mm-hmm. let's let's see how close to the line we can get in a situation like that. But yeah, some uh, some interesting rules uh, coming to uh, to Major League Baseball in the in the near future, including a pitch clock and a ban of extreme defensive shifts. All right, I've been uh, trying to research and looking back at, at Brian Harson's Boise teams, just getting an idea as far as the time of possession, total plays, and things like that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I've found. When we come back, love for you to join in here on the Friday Drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, 23 minutes after 5 o'clock. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. What games are you really excited about tomorrow? Do you see any upsets? What are you looking for from the Auburn game? you got Gus tonight, I believe, on... That uh, is exactly right. Uh, UCF and Louisville tonight. UCF and Louisville. One of the... You know, we haven't talked about it. Uh, I think Jake Crane brought it up uh, that that uh, Louisville was a team that folks were were so yeah, excited about. Yeah, a lot about. of people were excited about that, and they just got uh, drilled by yeah, Syracuse, thirty-one to seven by the Syracuse Orange. I mean, just just completely a uh, a, a one-sided uh, uh, shellacking by uh, by. And, you know, that's a uh, that's a Montgomery quarterback, right? Malik Cunningham mm-hmm. is uh, you know that's the, right. the senior the senior from Louisville who was uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Bill recruited. By Gus Malzahn, you know, a couple couple of years ago, I know, I, I think, I think uh, Auburn wasn't uh, too into. Yeah, they, they didn't, they didn't push M- Malik really Cunningham push for him, but they but, did recruit him. But but that's a uh, yeah. So so he's going to have a chance uh, against uh, against UCF tonight. That game in Orlando in the Bounce House, ESPN two, just about a half hour after our show ends. Uh, UCF a a slight favorite against uh, the uh, the Cardinals. Anything else uh, in the? Uh, I think that's about it for Boise and New oh, Mexico yeah. tonight. Okay, so. You know, you you know, uh, what's so what's high on your list tomorrow? Of like, is there is there a must? Is there? A, I'm I, I'm well, obviously. I mean, I'll the two SC the two SEC games. Yeah, there are two or three SEC games. South Carolina, Arkansas interests me a lot. Kentucky, Florida, really interests me. Tennessee, Pitt, Tennessee, Pitt, really yeah. really interesting uh, tomorrow. What a, what a statement it could be for Tennessee. I know Pitt is. Uh, not seen as a playoff contender, uh, but they were the ACC champion last year. And if Tennessee can go up there and and impress, especially that that Tennessee offense, you know, if they if they can uh, if they can if they can really uh, sh- you know, flex their muscles, you know, that, that's a Tennessee team that can win a, l- a lot of the games on their uh, schedule. I agree. I'm interested to see what they can do against a uh, against a, a team that was good enough to win their conference last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm try- are, are there any? Uh, How about I mean, some of these? You know, other than Tennessee Pitt, what what? Well, I don't want ranked matchups. Are there? Tomorrow? I don't want to. I don't want to sound like Ferguson and bury the Pac-12 too much, Bill. But um, these point spreads in Pac-12 games are hideous tomorrow. Like I'm looking at. The, so so listen. Listen to what this conference is up to tomorrow uh, out out west. Washington State's going to Wisconsin. They're a 17 point underdog. Colorado's going to Air Force. Air Force is a 17. Yeah, Air Force. That's Air right. Force is a 17 and a half point favorite. At home against Colorado, that's a, that's a Pac-12 team. Yeah. It's going to be a, a three-touchdown underdog at a service academy. My favorite service academy, but a service academy uh, nevertheless. Uh, Alabama State, UCLA. Uh, that's a uh, just a it's a wild just a wild game. <laughs> that is that, that uh, yeah. the, the Hornets are are out there in my old stomping grounds in uh, in in, uh, in Westwood. I think that's that's pretty cool. First time, D Davis. First, yeah, that's right, D Davis. First time ever that UCLA is playing a, an FCS team in, in the regular season, and the first HBCU team to ever play a UCLA at the Rose Bowl tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, it could be a could be a cool game. That's on the Pac-12 Network if you uh, if you get that uh, somehow. Arizona State is a twelve point underdog at Oklahoma State. That feels like it could maybe be bigger. Oklahoma State a feels like it should be bigger. Yeah, I, I won't be surprised to see uh, Oklahoma State uh, uh, take care of business tomorrow. That's a, that's such a weird situation at Arizona State. Herm Edwards was recruiting during the pandemic. He was hosting right. kids. He was hosting kids on campus when you weren't supposed to have any contact with anybody, and yet he's—I mean, I don't know. It's just he's and he's—he's going to coach uh, tomorrow against Oklahoma State. Uh, but but then uh, uh, Oregon. How about Oregon State? Uh, and it's—they're it, an underdog at Fresno State, and then Mississippi State is uh, a twelve-point favorite at Arizona. So it's—I mean—it's a league that's. Who's favored? In Southern the league, Cal is favored. Over, well, it's a conference it's game. It's a conference game. Yeah, they're favored at Stanford. Is, are, are any Pac-12 team? Well, I mean, Cal, UCLA, UCLA Cal is favored a, over Alabama State. Cal is a 13-point favorite against UNLV at home. Okay. That's it. 
That's the whole. So I mean, you got Cal, UCLA, who's hosting Alabama State, and that's yes, it. Not an FCS from, yeah, at, from the non-conference games. Those are your Pac-12 teams that are favored. Cal is the one Pac-12 team playing an out-of-conference game tomorrow that is a favorite against a bowl subdivision team. Wow, there's one, there's one, and that's I mean, sad. Yeah, that's really and, sad. And USC's and USC's not going to be in that league anymore. So I mean, you got to remember that too. Is that yeah. they're they're on the way out. So yeah, it's just a sad state of affairs there for a a conference that uh, uh that has that has some some programs with tradition and, and history, but but it's uh it's it's hard times there in the uh, uh in the uh, in in the in the out, out west. It's 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 rough stuff. But so so the SEC. Um, I, yeah, like we were saying earlier, I'd love. I think South Carolina, Arkansas could be compelling. It would be a statement for Arkansas, right, to just sort of to to just you know make it a non competitive football game. Early, but mm-hmm. I, I'd love to see. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see. Uh, you know, Arkansas. You know, have to battle through some adversity and and play a, a competitive game and show that they can. Uh, you know, they, they they can fight back and and, and it's not going to be uh, just just easy for them. And Spencer Rattler, you would think, has you know gives South Carolina some of the firepower to play that competitive game. But South Carolina was. Uh, I mean, they were trailing to Georgia State at home uh, this past weekend before they had to block a couple of punts, like David Pascal was saying. Uh, so I, uh, uh, yeah, that 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 to me is is a really interesting one. And then Florida Kentucky. Uh, that that's a game that I don't know. What do you think, Bill? Florida Kentucky is you know that 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 changed. Florida changed a lot of people's minds by beating uh, Utah, right? There were some folks that oh yeah, they're very skeptical of of what uh, Florida had going into the season. A big win Saturday night changes that, and now I mean, if if Florida can start the year with two wins over ranked opponents, they're, they're going to. I mean, what's Florida going to be if they win? They're probably going to be in position to maybe jump into the top ten. With with a win over Kentucky after a win over Utah, and uh, that's uh, you know quite quite a feather in Billy Napier's uh, hat potentially. I, I want to see what uh, I, I want to see what Florida can do against a, a Kentucky team that has has been has, has been on the rise of, of late. That that's uh, that, that's that, those are two really intriguing games for me. Well, I didn't get to uh, to my numbers that I was looking up a little while ago, so I'll talk about them when Good. we come back, and we'll continue looking at games around the SEC in the country. Love to hear from you as we head into the final half hour here on the Friday Drive. On ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final half hour here on this Friday with Bill and Dan. Again, yeah, don't forget, after the game tomorrow... Going to have 
Let's see. Our, who, who are our regular hosts going to be? They were they were both on. It's Carter. It's Carter and Jack, right? It sure is. Yeah, Car- Carter and Jack, the uh, the new the new after the game crew. Uh, uh, Jack, you can hear on uh, on on the the Auburn, the Auburn high, high game to broadcast tonight. That's right. And Carter from and Carter, uh, of course, along with Jacob on the line on the line. So you can hear the uh, the new generation. Uh, yeah, ATG TNG as as uh, as as they're calling it on the on the message boards. Uh, the uh, uh, the the new the new itineration of of after the game. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to hear some of that uh, tomorrow as well. With uh, as as they'll break down uh, the uh, what were you going to say? As as they as they break down, the... I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know a little bit. I'll <laughs> as, let you, as, you. You'll appreciate it. You, right. You've created a new word. All right. Well, itineration. Yeah. Is that, is that not right? I like. Isn't it just iteration? Oh, is it not itineration? No, I don't think so. Oh. But I like that. That's like a new generation iteration. iteration. Yeah, it's got me. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it's because I said just a generation. I like it. Itineration. Oh no, I'm thinking of itinerary. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going with itinerary there. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I might just I might just say it that way. Really? I mean, you created a new one. I mean, it sounds very. It's it's, new. It sounds right. Itineration. Yeah, it does. It does sound like a. It does sound right, even though it's not. Uh, The. (laughs) Even though it is not, that is not correct. Uh, no, but I, I hope folks check out after the game tomorrow, and I have a lot to uh, to break down. And for the for the host's sake, I, I really hope that the game is able to uh, to end at a reasonable hour, and you're not talking about uh, a, a big lightning, uh, you know, a big lightning delay or anything like that, because that really took some of the energy out of uh, last uh, last Saturday's game. Although Auburn was able to put together a really impressive outing uh, before. The uh, the lightning delay and, and really that that first half really up up until the TJ Finley interception and if you want to go two plays earlier right if you want to say the uh, uh, the uh, the tank Bigsby holding call the, the the holding call on Troxel that took back the long tank Bigsby run uh, those are uh, that that was a really sharp half of football near you know nearly a half of football you know over over a quarter and a half. That, that Auburn was able to put together where, where they were offensively and defensively uh, taking care of business against an overmatched FCS opponent. And that's, that's really all you can ask for a team to do in a, in, a, in a game like that. And across college football, not just, I mean, there, well, there's a couple of prominent examples. The, the team that Auburn's playing tomorrow didn't just take care of business and make it a route against an FCS opponent. They were playing Portland State really, really close. That was a, a game that Portland State was in position to win. And we've talked about uh, Iowa a lot this uh, uh, this week, and that was an Iowa team that, that hosting an FCS opponent uh, had uh, had two, uh, two, two safeties and a field goal and nearly lost the football game, only scoring seven points. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's easy to take for granted a team uh, dispatching the, the FCS opponent really early and, and making the game in, into a, a game with a comfortable lead, uh, but that's not what everybody does, and so there's, uh, there's value in being able to do that, and that's exactly what Auburn did to uh, to start the game uh, last Saturday, and hopefully they can do that again, where, where they can uh, they can take away any doubt uh, that you might oh, see yeah. you might might see an upset or a miracle or something with uh, with their opponent. Yeah, that that would be great. Yeah, I did uh, some some looking back over the last few years. We were talking a little while ago. I mean, Jeremy had called and was wondering about the pace of the game and, and if Auburn was going to play that slow. Now, the one thing I haven't looked while I'm talking here, check last year's numbers. From Auburn, let them, uh, to get an idea. But I looked back at the last uh, three seasons of Brian Harson uh, at at Boise State, and his teams averaged around just under seventy plays a game. Itineration means journeying from place to place, preaching or lecturing. Oh, as though you're on. So a it's not a tour. new word. It's not, but it's not. That's not what I meant. No, I, I didn't think. Not, no, I was not talking about. I knew what you meant. Journeying. But that's why I was smiling. It's Jour- like, oh, that's a cool sounding word. If you're if you're going on a preaching, lecturing, or speaking tour, that's a, that's an like I guess you would use it like it not. It's not a vacation. 
it's a, it's an it's an itineration. Huh. I, I guess would be the uh, to because to to itinerate is to go from place to place as I did a not. As, well, as a preacher but it or judge, like itinerate should should have something to do with itinerary, right? And I guess I mean you have a schedule. I mean, there's you know sort of the schedule of events and things like that. But it does, you're right. It is. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't so know. The one who itinerates is an itinerator. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who engages in itineration? <laughs> we've heard we've heard that you you frequently you frequently oh, engage in itineration uh, from uh, from time to time. No, I, I was uh, I was I was unaware of uh, of that one, Bill. But anyways, go, right, so, right, so, so, yeah, what so, were you saying about Brian? Right, so, yeah. So I was looking, I, and I'm pulling up the uh, Auburn stats from last year. I should have had them first, but I was looking back. At the uh, past few seasons um, with Brian Harson at, at, at Boise and just trying to get an idea as to the uh, average number of plays, you know, um, and, and for his last three years at Boise, the, the, the team averaged about 70 plays per game. And uh, this past year, Auburn was under 70 plays. There were 64 plays. As a matter of fact, 2020, Boise averaged 64 plays per game. The opponents averaged 67. What was the numbers this past week? I believe it was 64 for Auburn, 67 for Mercer. So it's not that far off. So no, don't I don't expect Auburn to be one of those teams that unless the defense just really shuts the opposition down, gets a lot of three and outs, is going to approach 80 snaps a game? It doesn't appear. No, I don't think that's the plan. I mean, maybe if Auburn were to, you know, if you if you were to get into a situation where the passing game was really clicking, you know, Auburn might want to ratchet up the pace a little bit. But, no, I think there are benefits to, how about this? Bill, we, we've talked about Auburn wanting the offensive line to be as big as possible, right? Wanting the offensive line to be ready right. to, to overpower and to be at power running team. Wouldn't running a lot of plays sort of run contrary to having an offensive Probably line? Probably would, and that's one of the differences we've seen in the build of the offensive line. With You know, under Gus Malzahn, it was lean and built for speed, right. if you and, will. And, well, built to be able to maintain a 15-second you know, tempo right. between, between the back end to of back the last Back to back to back to back as quick as you can. Yeah. And now it's more, let's be powerful and... You know, I, I guess just methodically want to just pound people. Yeah, and it would and it would sort of ru- it would fly in the face of that strategy to want to hurry up to the line and snap it as quickly uh, as possible because you're not that's giving your point. offensive line a chance. And and I would also think the same thing's true of, I mean, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are in phenomenal shape, mm-hmm. but if one of those guys has a physical run, you know, do you do you really want them jogging you know right back up to the line of scrimmage and snapping it to him as quickly as you can? Or you'd have to most likely you'd have to. Sub or sub or sub them out or something yep. like that. So no, I, I think there's uh, there's some strategy in, and you also see around college football, so many teams are trying to run as as many plays as possible, and and I do think there's, you know, you, you, you if you think that if you think that your strategy works, don't worry that it's not the trend at right. the moment. Don't worry that it that it flies in the face of what other people are doing, and in a hurry up no huddle world, if, if you think playing power football and uh, Trying to to drain the clock when, when you've when you've got the ball is is the best way for you to succeed. Uh, you know, go for it and, and see if it and see if it works and 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 build a team that can uh, uh, that, that can succeed that way. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. So yeah, I thought that was I hadn't really thought of that until Jeremy started talking about it. Um, Auburn seemed a, a, a little more. Um, a little less methodical a year ago. Maybe it's because you've got two quarterbacks also that are still just, you know, 
getting their feet under them. Not that, you know, TJ, TJ's been in the system for a year, but still, Bo Nix was a third year starter in the SEC. So, um, so, you know, some, some, some maybe, maybe it will pick up some, but don't look for this to become, that super fast-paced offense. One one more unusual thing about um, about Alabama State going to UCLA uh, this mm-hmm. weekend, Bill. There, there's a hurricane bearing down on Los Angeles right now. There's hurricane, oh, yeah? hurricane K is in the Pacific, and and there's going to be uh, after it, it's it's pretty remarkable week over there weather wise because there are several days in a row where most of California had heat records broken for the day, and now you've got uh, places that could get. Uh, a year's worth of rain in 36 or 48 hours and the resulting, you know, uh, the concerns about, you know, mudslides and things like that. But yeah, so, so Alabama State going to California and, uh, having to deal, not with, not with the, you know, in, in Montgomery, you might get the occasional hurricane coming up from the Gulf. You don't think you're going to deal with that out in uh, Pasadena, but yeah, they'll be playing in some, uh, uh, they'll be playing a little bit of rain. Pasadena's pretty far inland, so I think it'll be, uh, you know, it, it, it should be, uh, I think it's, I think it's staying pretty close to the coast, uh, the, the worst of, of that weather, uh, but they could, uh, they, they could be playing in some, uh, some pretty inclement weather, uh, tomorrow night, uh, which is, uh, not, not what you're expecting when you head out to the Rose Bowl. Well, they'd be figuring if they stayed here, they could be playing in inclement weather. That's but- that's right. Yeah, you don't want to go all the way across the country and get that. That's right. In their itineration to Los Angeles, they got to uh, they got they got to deal with some uh, they got to deal with some precipitation. Uh, lo- lots of Asians <laughs> as they cross the nation. That's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, tell you what, we'll get to our final break and we'll look at all the games involving the SEC. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Any upsets that you think could happen tomorrow? What are you looking for in the uh, Auburn San Jose State game? Stick with us. As we head into the final 15 minutes here on the Friday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final segment here on this Friday afternoon with Bill and Dan, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. We've got calls holding... And who was up first? James is up. Hey, James. What's going on, fellas? Good to hear from you, James. Hey, I didn't. Miss, I missed the first part of the show, but talking about upsets, uh, I don't think the Texas Alabama game is going to have an upset. Uh, I mean, no, I, could, I no. could be wrong, but they've pulled out all the stops over there in Texas to see if they could get an edge some way. I don't know. Playing at eleven o'clock is going to give you much of an edge. I don't think Alabama's band not going to the football game is going to give you much of an edge. So I don't know what they're doing, but if this is their recipe for success in the SEC, this might not work out in the future. They might need to rethink that plan. Well, yeah, but the, so. biggest, the biggest problem is the players in the Alabama <laughs> uniforms that are going right. to be on the other side of the field <laughs> against Texas. Because that strategy might work against a bunch of teams in the SEC this year. But no, I, I think Texas is going to need a lot more than uh, putting, the, putting the band in the nosebleed seats. And, and, uh, and Matthew McConaughey yeah. or whatever. whatever. I mean, uh, gonna go all- Sark, Sark has sounded this week like, you know, he's trying to prepare everybody uh, for, for, for what could actually happen. He just has to be hoping that uh, his former boss still really, really likes him as much as it seemed when when he was leaving. McConaughey can say everything he wants, but I, I think uh, it, things things are going to go all wrong, all wrong, yeah, all wrong, all wrong right. for uh, for Texas uh, tomorrow morning. That's a good one. Yeah, I I think the uh, Florida Kentucky game is probably going to be a lot closer than people think. Not 
I have to say Florida's going to win because my sister killed me because she likes to listen to y'all's podcast and make sure I don't say anything bad about Florida. So um, I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game. I, re- I really do. I'm looking forward to that. I hope both of those conference games are close. I'd love to see you know Florida-Kentucky go down to the wire, South Carolina-Arkansas for that matter, uh, go, you know, yeah. be, be a... A competitive football game that you know with, with some drama in the second half, but you know there's there's a path for both of those games to get real ugly for the visitor. Mm-hmm. You know if, if it, you know a slow start, uh, fans get into it, the offense gets going for Arkansas or Florida, and suddenly South Carolina or Kentucky has to come back from a, a pretty big deficit. You you could see how that could go. Uh, you know that 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 could go wrong. I yeah I, I kind of expect close games in both of them. Oh yeah, who's the Kentucky player that got hurt last week? So there's the, the so there's oh, the yeah. senior. Well, there's 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 a, a running back who's suspended, uh, Chris Rodriguez. He got a uh, okay. uh, there there was a legal issue a couple of weeks ago, and he's and, a really really good player. Yeah, he, he's he's one of the best running backs in the conference. He will not play. Kentucky just announced uh, that he's not going to play tomorrow against Florida. It's been reported he's going to miss three or four games as they settle out uh, his. Uh, I, I think it's it's related to a DUI. Uh, Ramon Jefferson was the uh, was a, a, a transfer from the FCS who was a running back that a couple different schools wanted uh, that was, you know, some folks thought could come in and, and, and step in as a starter. He tore his ACL uh, in the opener against Miami, Ohio. He's going to miss the rest of the season. So Kentucky isn't just without their starting running back and one of the best running backs in the conference. They're also without the back they went into the portal uh, to, uh, to, to go and add depth uh, to that room uh, going to Florida tomorrow. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for the taking my call. I'll oh yeah, thanks. Next week. Good. Appreciate the call, James. Three three four. I mean, two one thirteen nine. It's. I mean, a lot of people think highly of Will Levis, right? A lot of people. Oh, think yes. that's a, That's a quarterback that could be uh, an NFL starter uh, very soon. These are these are a couple of quarterbacks yep. that that could have. I mean, they, they some people really have them very very high. I, I would think there will be some scouts in Gainesville yes. with with two quarterbacks that folks you know who who project these sort of things mm-hmm. think have a chance of being first round picks. Uh, but yeah, the the uh, the deck stacked a little bit against uh, Will Levis with uh, with with those running backs uh, not available for uh, Kentucky's offense because you know how they like to run the ball. You know they're, right. they're going to have to figure out something else w- without those two top options at, at, the, at the position. Back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Inspector is next. Hey, Specter. Hey. Uh... Tell me about uh, Zach Calzada. Is he? You think he'd be able to play tomorrow? Ooh, that's. Uh, you know, I would doubt it unless the game really, unless Auburn really gets out to a big, big lead. I think. I think they really need to see as much as they can from both T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford tomorrow. Now, if they both struggle, or if they're, or if Auburn is way, way ahead, we may get a chance to see Zach. I, I know that. Brian Harson was was talking about Zach when he was talking about his third quarterback being the MVP of the conference championship game, wanting his players to practice like they are going to have the opportunity. They may have to uh, be called on to try to win the ball game, but I just think it's unlikely that we'll see much if if any of Zach tomorrow. So, sounds like the plan is TJ and Robbie, you know, for, for, for the moment, and that, and that could change. But, but uh, yeah, I, I just wonder, uh, you know, it feels like the game would have to get pretty comfortable for Auburn to, to go to the quarterback, who at least at the yeah. moment is the third stringer. Well, I, I think I've seen all I want to see of TJ right now. I mean, if 
throw two interceptions to a to a team that's really inferior to you. I thought he was playing pretty well before that first interception. I know what you mean. The turnovers can't happen because no. if, if and and, and I don't Brian that, Harson won't keep playing him if he if he keeps well, turning that, the ball. Yeah, out. and and if and if you're concerned about the turnovers against an FCS team, you know if he if he can't cut down on those, you know it it, it might not be long before Auburn makes a change. But I, I thought TJ showed something until uh, you know that that last two minutes when when the wheels uh, fell off a little bit. Yeah. Well, how is San Jose stacking up? I know. Defensively, they're pretty good. They're pretty good defensively. They've got an athletic quarterback uh, who who can make some big plays. He can give up some big plays. He's a guy that, uh, even though he's really athletic, he was sacked seven times. Their offensive line struggled. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, you, you would think Auburn should be able to really get after it up front defensively. Uh, but San Jose State's defense is pretty salty. They were one of the toughest teams in the country for anybody to run on. They've got some exper- a lot of experience really coming back on the defensive side. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I guess we're going to expect to see a two-quarterback offense again, right? Tomorrow, yeah. Uh, now, it, now, if things go exceptionally well for one and not for the other, that, that may change that a little bit. But, uh, I mean, but if, if things go well, then... Then yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Brian, you know, Brian Harson's done it for an entire season before. I think there's three big questions, quarterback wise, Specter. How does TJ Finley play? How much? How much do they play Robbie? And what does Robbie do when he's in the game? Like, what, what do they? What do they ask Robbie? What does to Robbie do? do besides running the ball? Exactly. Too? Well, yeah. What, what do they? What do they task Robbie with? And I think that would give you some some indication of, yeah. of where things stand going into uh, the Penn State game in a week. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I heard you earlier say something about after the game's coming back. So who are our two announcers? So we've got uh, we've got our guy Caleb from uh, or Carter. I'm sorry, not Caleb. Carter. Uh, Caleb Williams is the USC quarterback. Uh, our guy Carter from uh, fr- from uh, on the line with with Jacob uh, does a uh, he does a great job and uh, and. Uh, uh, um, Jack Hutton. Uh, J- and Jack from I was going to say Johnny's wrong. Uh, Jack from uh, from the Auburn High School broadcast. Jack Hutton, uh, who is a, a really talented broadcaster as well. I encourage everyone to give after the game a uh, you know g- g- give these guys a, a real shot. Could I mean, be a late one tomorrow night. I, I think they're going to do a great job this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. All right, thank you guys. Appreciate the call, Specter. Yeah, and some some you know good questions. I mean, tomorrow you feel like this is sort of like the last. Uh, What's the best way to put it? It's not really an audition. Dress it's, rehearsal? Yeah. Yeah. Really. Before the big show gets going. For the theater nerds out I mean, there. You know, so this people is your used last to hate chance it. to get it right. People used to hate it when, you know, they'd hear preseason. You remember that? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not really preseason that counts. No, and, but, and I don't expect Auburn to treat it like an NFL preseason game where the starters are in for three drives no. and they pull them or anything like that. I think with a big game next week, you know, you want the team uh, to uh, to be playing well. And there are a couple guys on the team where you want them to be as confident as possible, right? I mean, you'd love for TJ to be coming out of this game feeling great. You'd love for the offensive line to come out of this game oh, yeah. feeling like they can block anybody in the world. You want the defense. You want yeah. the defensive line confident. Secondary, you know, going going into that uh, rematch with a quarterback who just uh, that they, they couldn't stop. You think Penn State's going to throw the football in, in, yeah, in a week? Think? I mean, they, they threw, they threw fifty something attempts against uh, against Purdue uh, last week. I mean, I would I would imagine that, that the secondary would love to have a strong game to uh, to show that they're ready for the uh, the challenge that Penn State will represent in a little bit more than a week. What a big game that's going to be! Uh, just a uh, just a little more than a week away. Penn State's first ever visit uh, to Auburn, but in the meantime, Auburn San Jose State tomorrow night. That's right, uh, and and yeah, as we've said, don't forget after the game, we're back Monday. John Samuel Schenker, yeah. who was on with us today, our thanks to him for joining us today. 
as a special Tiger Take, our regular Tiger Takes with John Samuel coming up Monday. Brian Matthews will be in, so it should be a fun show as we look back at the weekend and look ahead to Penn State. Going to be a fun weekend. Hope Hope the weather cooperates enough. We're out of time here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Have a great weekend, everybody. We are out of here.